You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 2nd of August 2020. This week, Paul talks to actor Graham Hawley. They discuss his many roles from theatre and television, the perils of playing a villain in Coronation Street, and they discuss the uncertain future of British theatre. 104.7 Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Weekend Wind Down. It's our waffle segment, and each week we speak to somebody who works with words. And this week we have an, an absolute star working with us, somebody who you will know from television. Uh, I have the pleasure of speaking to Graham Hawley. Are you there? I am. How are you doing? You're right, Paul. I'm doing pretty well, actually. Uh, it's uh, we're, we're coming to a, a new phase of lockdown, and I think we're uh, we've we've all got used to the old bit, and now we're we're, we're treading new ground. And I'm I'm feeling fairly positive about it. Whereabouts are you calling uh, from this afternoon? Um, I'm I'm calling from Holcombe Brook, so just on the edge of Ramsbottom we are. So uh, excellent. Up, up near the hills, I can, as I look out my window, I can. I can literally see Holcomb Hill ahead of me, which is very nice to know. A, a very nice part of the world, uh, one which uh, which I know uh, well uh, because I, I used to live around those parts myself. Uh, my my kids and, and your kids, I think we they they shared the same primary school, which is which Absolutely, is great. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and this is how I, see. I first knew you. Uh, I I have to admit, I'm I'm not a great uh, soap watcher. Uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't know you from from the television, uh, but oh. many people will. I knew you as the man that people were giving evil looks to on the playground uh, and, and could you explain to the people uh, at home uh, listening in, in Rossendale uh, just why uh, they were giving you those evil looks well I mean there's two possible answers to this mm. one because I'm normally late dropping oh. my kids off so it could be I, th- I think I get a fair amount of evil looks for that but um but also as well because I um I was in Coronation Street for about four years playing John Stape who would who some people would say was evil. I think he was very, very misunderstood. But but in that misunderstoodness, he, he did kill a few people. So that, that would explain the, the evil looks, I think. I, I mean, when you're nominated for Villain of the Year, I think that's <laughs> that's possibly you've, you've erred on the side of evil a little bit too much. I mean, I think it's, there's manslaughter on the list there. There's kidnap. There's, there's a, there's a murder know? or two. How on earth did you find yourself in this particular situation playing that I mean, character? I mean, when, when you put it like that, it seems fairly damning. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, it, you know, as with all these things, with soap operas, it, it, it didn't really start out like that. I started out as a fairly mild-mannered teacher mm. um, and uh, and things just spiralled out of control from there. And yeah, by the end of it, I was kidnapping people and killing people and um <laughs> And it all, 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 yeah, it all, it all got a little bit out of my hands, really. Is that how much? I mean, I'm fascinated by this. How much of this uh, came from the the words of the writers? How much influence do you have over the character in a, especially in a, a juggernaut of a soap opera like Coronation Street? Do, do you get any say in where the character's headed, or do you just suddenly go, oh wow, I'm doing this this week? Well, I mean, a, a bit of both, really, in terms of. Uh, in terms of actually sit down and having a say, very little, to be honest, because. Mm. Because of the because of the way the the uh, the program is built, it's very much it, what I think is brilliant about Coronation Street is it's very much writer led. Um, they are um, the writers are are the absolute heartbeat of the show, and and they kind of and 
or, or, or a lot of that creative storytelling comes from them. And there's also a story department as well that are, that are working in conjunction with mm. with the writers to develop those storylines. And and you as an actor are kind of reacting to that really. But having said that, there's this when you really start to understand that how it works from an actor's point of view, you become much better at you realise it's kind of a game of tennis with mm-hmm. the writing where you offer up stuff on on screen and hopefully they see it and run with it and pick up with it and, and then start writing for it. And as you get to know the writer's style better and they understand you as an actor and the character that you've created better, those two things tend to mould into each other a little bit more. So that's kind of your say is, is, is what you're putting on the screen, really. And I, I, it's interesting, from my point of view, I, I'd previously done um, a year on Emmerdale as well, mm. where I, I played a, a character called, um, a, a detective called DC Crow in it, but I, was, and I ended up being in it for an extended period of time and was in it. But, I, but in all honesty, the character was a little bit boring, really. <laughs> and I think it was because I, I, I just sort of went into that at the time, being quite green about soap operas, and I hadn't done a lot of stuff for soap operas before. Right. So I, I just sort of went in and sort of learned the lines, do as you told, and go. And I realised that that wasn't really what. So they got nothing to play with, really. So I, I, so when I got the part in Coronation Street, I. I was much more savvy about knowing that I needed to go in and offer up and 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 show some quirks and show some direction with the character that the, that the writers then pick up and go with and and that is what happened with with Corey really that's the way it worked and it's um, it must be as as well quite tricky for as an actor to go into uh, I mean I described it as a juggernaut but but Coronation Street is uh, I mean it's a national institution so that yeah. that first day on set when you're you know you're walking and you see the cabin and you see the rovers and and you know and, and, and all those characters that have been in the soap for 40 50 years some some of them um it, how, how does that feel on that first day is it is it like the first day at school <laughs> It, it is like it, it's it's like the first day at the most terrifying school you could ever imagine, <laughs> but, um, and it, and it's because it doesn't really matter. Like I've always watched Corian, I've kind of grown up with it, but I, but I wasn't, I wouldn't say remotely that I was like a, a, an obsessive fan or anything. But it was always, I think, for as it, as with a lot of people in this country, it was kind of part of my upbringing and part of my life, and was able to reference it all the way through. So. So it is you. It is like walking into a weird parallel universe when you first <laughs> go into. And it, I mean, to an extent, it never leaves you. It always. I was there for for the best part of four years in the end, mm. and um, and that wonder of it, uh, and that sort of special magic of the place, never really left me with it as well. I mean, there is an added thing with it as well. Is where, when I, it was before they moved um, to the new place in Salford when I was doing it. So, so you were at Granada as well, and yeah. there's something about Granada as well that I mean, there is so much history to that building and to that place, and so much a, a great British drama um, uh, uh, that has come out of that uh, building. It, it's a very, it, without being too um, sort of artistic and uh, what's it about it? it there are there are amazing ghosts in that building that that, that you're you're kind of aware of whenever you're whenever you're in granada it was a very special place it makes me very sad to think about even now that yeah that that we're not on television from there anymore because it was an incredibly on, it? special yeah. building you know 
I, I've, I've had the pleasure of uh, for, for two different reasons. One, I did a fun run that went through the set of Corrie at some point or another. Oh, uh, brilliant! And, yeah. uh, and, I, and I also I remember going on a, a trip to Elstree to see the, the East Ender set. And there, there is something strange about standing in those places that you've seen on that on that screen before, uh, and you realise just how, how out of proportion everything is, and things are not what yeah. you expected, and they back onto things back onto things you wouldn't expect, and they're <laughs> it's a it's a it's a very strange experience. It's weird. It's like a souped-up version of when you go to like these miniature villages, when you yes. like go on holiday to the Cotswolds when you're a kid, and, and suddenly there's a, you know the main attraction is like this little miniature village, or and, you, and, it, and there, there's some sort of wonder about them, isn't it? Because they just don't because it's real, but it's not, and it and it's the, I think TV sets are exactly the same. They're sort of real, but they're not, and they're familiar, but they're but they're not. They really, they're, 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 I'm also quite magical places for that, really as well oh it's i i we i'm sure that we're going to be uh sort of coming back and making reference to to cory when we, we talk a little bit about um your your tv and your, and your theater work in a little bit um but we, we're just coming up to a music break now uh and uh, for your first uh, choice of music you've uh, you've chosen a beach boys track for us what was this one special to you well this is special because it's it's one of my wife's tune if you like one of many but this is it was a this was the tune that we had as our first dance at our wedding and um pet sounds was an album that we she kind of i I was aware of pet sounds and i was aware of the beach boys and aware of brian wilson but but really my wife absolutely always loved brian wilson and we started listening to him more and more when we got together and became and particularly pet sounds became a very special album for us and uh, we went to see him as well at Liverpool. They did. They did a period of time where they, um, where they had a big top. I don't know if they still do it, but they had a big top down on the docks, um, and they used to do summer concerts in there. Um, and it was about probably about fifteen years ago, or the best part of now. We we managed to go and see Brian Wilson there, um, and it was an amazing experience. I find him an incredibly fascinating human being, really. But yeah, and it's one of my favourite songs. Well, let's have a listen. This is God Only Knows. At home, in the office, in the car, wherever you are, you can listen to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. Welcome back to the Waffle segment. I'm speaking to Graham Hawley and we're talking all things to do with acting. Uh, and in particular, we've, we've spoken a lot about Coronation Street. Uh, mm. But but actually, you, you, you touched on Emmerdale. I'm just going to go through a list of your TV credits to start with. But then there's there's a whole theatre side of your background as well, which people might not know you for. I mean, I'm looking down here. You've got credits for Casualty, Peaky Blinders, Doctors, Shameless, Benidorm, Father Brown. I mean, this is these are some pretty A-list shows that you're on here. Uh, <laughs> But actually, uh, your 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 theatre work is, and you've, you you described it when we were in the musical break about uh, about sort of almost bouncing between theatre and TV. Yeah, I, I, like I would say, really, early days was probably much more known for. I'd say known for actually, but but, but did more theatre work than television. Like when I when I first, because I, I trained up in Manchester at Manchester School of Theatre, mm. which used to be the Poly. Um, which is a very famous um, drama school. Um, Julie Walters, Steve Coogan, and uh, various other great kind of actors of the North went to. And, um, and but uh, but yeah, I did a lot of theatre when I first graduated from there. And I I'd actually I wondered the Manchester Evening News most promising newcomer for the theatre awards in 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 
back in 2000, which is a long time ago now. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a newcomer anymore. <laughs> I, I think we graduated around about the same time. I, I graduated yeah, in 2000. A old comer in the, in the <laughs> award section, but I might qualify for that fairly soon, I think. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I was. But then, the, yeah, as the as the television took off more and more, but I always tried to keep making sure that I was turning over with theatre because, it, as with most actors, that's kind of the the, the passion is in theatre, and um, and that's where I suppose that's where you, quite often you get to feel that you're being most creative. And and for for somebody who's who's trained and been through those years of training, really, what the training or certainly when I went to drama school, the training is so was so geared towards theatre that that's you tend to feel like that's where your craft is. Of course, it's not the case. Both disciplines are, are kind of equally difficult and involve uh, an equal amount of uh, craft within them. But but certainly that's where you feel like you're flexing your muscles, as it were. Yeah, because it is a very different experience, obviously, as an actor. I suppose you're learning things for for a one-off take on television, whereas there's a. Is it that there's a? Is it harder to get the the depth of character that you would get in a theatre production in TV, or is it? Or do you just have no, to tap into a different set of skills somehow? It's it's just different, really. It's it, um, the, the 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 thing with it is with television. It's your your. You're, and I love television for this and film for this in that you're, you're looking at a character in a microscopic way. We have this incredible thing with television in that, in that you are literally able to get the camera so close that you can kind of see inside my mind. Mm. You can see what I'm thinking. So therefore it becomes so much about um, the internal world of that character. Um, and, and, and that's incredibly special. And, and, it, and is it... Um, and it's incredibly enjoyable and interesting thing to do as an artist. And, but 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 on a stage, it's about it's about all of that depth and, and and absolutely there's layers and layers and layers to the character. And and the writing tends to lend itself, you know, in theatre to stuff where we are, where you are sort of examining more. Um, uh, more areas of a character i suppose but but it's then about how you present that for want of a better word because you've because it because they aren't there right next to you you've then got to get get all of that out to an audience that might be 20 30 40 50 foot away and it's mm. how do you how do you translate that journey and that that you know the, the the craft that is involved in that is is incredibly exciting and is incredibly interesting and why why it takes six weeks rather than 10 minutes. <laughs> but you also, I suppose you get that. I, I mean, it must be a very different kind of, of bond. Uh, I suppose in, in, in a series where you're, you're coming in in uh, like where you were working on Emma Dale Ocori, where you're, you're seeing the same people week after mm. week because you're an established character. That's a very different experience to maybe going in and doing a one-off show where you you're a visiting character absolutely yeah yeah uh, whereas in a theater situation you are as you say this you're spending six to eight weeks rehearsing together and then for however long the run is spending that time together on stage it's it's you, you do develop a special bond with those people don't you you do it becomes this really um it, it's an incredibly intense environment creating a play together and working on a play together in a you yeah, you do. You sort of go in. I mean, it's a buzzword at the moment, but you go into a bubble basically. Mm. <laughs> and you do, and you just you kind of uh, you know 
you spend 24 hours a day with those people for several months and you, 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 you work together very intensely and you spend all day together in a room creating this piece of work and then you go and share that piece of work with with an audience and and there's the buzz associated with that and it's a it's a very all-encompassing thing and then at the end of it after three months you all go your separate ways and go back to your lives and some of those people you become incredibly close to and then you don't see them for 10 years Did, I, I i used to get this when and then maybe you'll trot up on another plane <laughs> together and it, 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 it's a weird kind of family environment you know yeah i i used to find it really tricky mentally uh, at the end of it i mean I, I only ever was involved with productions that had short runs of maybe you know a week to a month maybe uh, yeah. but but at the end of it there's a kind of gap isn't there that oh yeah uh, and yeah. i mean I, I you look like you've been fairly busy over the years so there's i suppose there's always the next project to to, to look forward to but do, do you find that that there's this kind of does it sort of have a, an impact mentally on on, on your work yeah, I mean, but I think the job for very for a multi. I mean, probably a much longer conversation. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the, jo- the job puts mental strains on you for all all sorts of for different reasons. But yeah, absolutely, it's very hard. It's hard to finish a project um, when, and it's also hard to start a new project. It, it, um, and it's and equally, it's hard to go off. I the thing I struggle with the most in acting like uh, all of the stuff involved with doing my job I, I i find pretty easy and incredibly enjoyable and if somebody turned around tomorrow and said i'm we're not going to pay you for it anymore which you know has come close on plenty of occasions <laughs> but, um it, you know i would still do it because it's because it's what i do and it's and it's very much a part of me you know but um but what I find most difficult is the, is the non-acting parts of the job. Right. Like, like for example, what one of the things that, that I find most difficult about acting is is going up for a job and doing all that work because I put a lot of work into before I audition or make a tape or whether it be a TV program or a play. You do so much work and research, and you you kind of get to love that character because you have to in order to get yourself into a place where you can really go in and 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 give the best offering of that character you can in order to get the job but when you then don't get the glory of getting the job it's quite a painful experience hey but yeah obviously from a practical point of view because i've got two kids to feed and i want to earn money (laughs) but also because because it's hard then to walk away from that character when you go well i I had it in my head how I was going to play him, what I was going to do. I, I, you know, I've lived it all. I've, I've spent the money, but I've also lived the life, you know, yeah. in my mind. So uh, that's the thing I find most difficult about a job. And mentally, that's that can be real. And with with some jobs, when you when it when it's gone on for a period of time, and you've maybe been for two, three meetings for it, and you really and you think it's going to happen, and you, however much you try not to, you, you you've convinced yourself that it's going to that you're going to play that character and you're going to go on that journey, if you like. When somebody then phones you up and says it's not going to happen, it's it's painful. That takes you... Well, you just have to... I just give myself 48 hours to go, I'm just going to let it happen. Just gonna have I'm to going to let myself be down about it and then you know, out, I I'll get up and wash my face and go, come on, next one, on your feet, move on. You know. And what you can do is you can go and listen to a piece of beautiful music. Do you see how I did that? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, almost as if we planned it. It's almost <laughs> as if we planned where we were going with this conversation. Uh, yeah, you've. I mean, you've chosen a piece of Vaughan Williams for us. Do you want to just? I, I, I'm going to give you thirty seconds to tell us why this is such a beautiful piece of music. 
Well, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't even need the 30 seconds because everything that we've talked about is why I love this piece of music. This, this is probably my favourite piece of music and, and it, uh, I, I think it's not too much to say. I feel like there's a bit of me in this, in this piece of music and, and whenever I'm having a difficult time for all of the things that we've talked about, this is my go-to. This is, this is the piece of music that I go to to remind me how beautiful life is. This is a lark ascending. The frequency 104.7. The area Rossendale Valley. The station Rossendale Radio. Welcome back to the weekend wind down. It's the final part of my interview this afternoon with Graham Hawley. Uh, we've been talking about your TV and your theatre experiences, uh, and uh, and I understand you've got some uh, some new projects on the on the horizon. I have, yeah. Well, before um, before the wonderful world of lockdown happened, I was I was halfway through filming a new TV series for ITV, which is a new series called Finding Alice. Oh right. Which, um, yeah, which we we shot sort of three and a half episodes of before everything shut down, and and hopefully soon we'll be going back to um, to finish it. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> They're going to want it on television at some point. So, uh, yeah, but it's just, it's a very strange time for television at the moment. It's, it's just kind of this special, without going into too much boring detail about it for people, it's quite difficult to get TV up and running with social distancing, yeah. partly because of how do you make a television programme and social distance, especially one that's not been written for the for the covid era mm. but also there is this other thing of you know this huge insurance implications with multi-million pound television programs so yeah. so so that's a big thing that they're having to get around but, but there was a big announcement this week that people are saying that the government is now going to underwrite the insurance on on tv productions which hopefully should mean that we should we should be able to get moving again soon and we should be able to start certainly getting some projects finished and, and filmed because, you know, they are going to run out of TV at some point. Well, they are. I mean, even that, I remember seeing something, and I can't remember, I think it might have even been Katy Perry. Was, was She was she was doing something for America. She said, this is a bizarre thing. We can, we're not allowed makeup artists, so I've had to do my own makeup. And it, yeah. and it, and it was, I think it shows how reliant TV is, not just on the people in front of the camera or even the, the people recording. It's the massive team of people that it takes to put a TV show together. And listen, if you you know if you think that's disastrous for Katy Perry, then think about how bad that is for me. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was it, but it was kind of like that that kind of reality check for for my goodness, this this doesn't work without a team of people behind it, and they're having to find these new ways of of doing things. And it's like you say, this with this post COVID world where we have to reflect how it has been for all of us. We've we've had a brand new experience that writers wouldn't have even dreamed of six months ago. No, absolutely, and so and some incredible. It's worth saying, as we, with everything, with all areas of life, and what, uh, some incredibly positive things will come as a result of it. But it, but it will, but it also presents big challenges. You know, both in terms of work and personal life and everything, doesn't it? Yeah. So. It, it does. I mean, this uh, the other thing. So going back to talking about the theatre. I mean, uh, obviously, it's been. Re- ridiculously difficult we've just had the the news a few weeks back about the the, the grants for theatres to or the yeah. for the arts industry um i mean how do you see the way forward I, I i'm i'm struggling to see how we can we can possibly go back to what we were doing before until until we get through the the whole era of this of, of finding a vaccine and whatever whenever that may be on the horizon can, can you see theatre coming back anytime soon 
I don't know. I, I, I really worry from the theatre side of things. It, it, at this moment in time, you still kind of look around going, how is this possible? How, how is it possible to do it? How is it possible? I mean, the, the only thing I would say is we, we have to be, what annoys me intensely about, and I suppose, you know, if I prefer to drink more than I prefer the theatre, then I'd be on the other side of things. But, I, <laughs> you know, but I don't understand how you can go and sit in a pub with a load of people and get drunk, but you can't go and sit in a theatre and watch a play. I mean, it's just, I, I, it, it, you know, for me, you can either do it or you can't. But I, but I, but I do find it a bit bizarre it's absolutely fine for me to go and sit in the pub and watch football and shout and scream and, you know, in some way, you know, that COVID isn't going to infect people who watch football, but it is going to infect people who watch Shakespeare. I, do, I find it a bit bizarre, really. It you is. Know, it's, I think, uh, I think we're, we're, we're kind of riddled with contradictions, aren't we? Wherever yeah, we turn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've spoken to a lot of educators uh, on the show uh, talking about we, we talk about books with them. We talk about teaching. Uh, but uh, a lot of those who have said it's sort of like I, I'm I'm being shielded from from teaching these children. But actually, they're going into in and out of homes at home where they can see people. And, and now I'm the one at risk. And it's I think wherever we turn it, it's, it's kind of like opening up boxes, isn't it? It's the Russian dolls thing is every time you open one, you find another thing. You think, how are we going to solve this issue now? But I do, yeah, and but but I do think in terms of theatre, live theatre and live events, in, in that sense, I, I I worry that it, but that it that it I'll have to get to to catastrophic areas before people realise quite how important it is to our society and our makeup. I do, I think quite a people, you know, you can feel a little bit that people are going, yeah, well, theatre, whatever. But I I think. I think it would be catastrophic for this country and for our society if, we, you know, if 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 there was serious long-term damage done to theatre and live events in this country, because I think it I think it's it's so much part of our, our happiness and our soul and our education in ways that have got that I think people do, and take for granted, um, and and also from a practical point of view of the, the sheer amount of taxes that it brings in you know the size of the industry and the the, the economic value of, of, of theater and live events and live performance and I, I i hope that it doesn't become irreparably damaged before people realize quite how important it is to our culture i think there was a statistic put out a little while back that, that which i i found surprising uh, and as somebody who's involved with theater there's actually more people attend theatre performances each year than there are go to uh, to football matches if you even if you add in all the premier league and all the non-league and and every every other football match going there's more people yeah. attend theatre performances than than there are that and our yeah. focus is has been very much on well let's get the football back on and, and i yeah. love football don't get me wrong but uh, it's, uh, it, it's it's like you say it's about how we assess our priorities and we've We've got to reflect on that, I suppose. We've 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 been forced into a situation where we've we've got to think about what's important to us. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, but you know, like the same as you in terms of I love football, I live for football, I'm very passionate about football. I've been season ticket holder at my club for for thirty odd years, and 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 nobody wanted football back more than me. But also, but I don't, you know, but I, yeah, the idea that you know we desperately need football, but we don't need live theatre back is is crazy to me you know we, we, it's 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 at least equally if not much more important to the to the health of the the country and to the the, the cultural value of, of of it to our nation 
Well, fingers crossed uh, that uh, that things will start to look. I'm 2021. I'm sure it will be a, a great year for everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon, uh, Graham. It's um, uh, we're going to finish with some badly drawn boy, uh, yeah. and uh, and I, and I think uh, this is uh, it's a completely different track, but I think badly drawn boy is. Uh, for all of our guests throughout the year, has been the most requested artist. Um, really? Yeah, uh, but but you've chosen again another song. Everyone's chosen a completely different badly drawn boy track. Oh, this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> why, why have you gone for Once Around the Block? So Once Around the Block, uh, from from a personal point of view, I, I started, uh, when I left drama school, I started a theatre company with, with a group of people that I that I went to drama school with. I'm, I could reel off the names for you at a lot of time, and loads of them have gone on, all of us have gone on to, to do great stuff within the industry. But we started this theatre company called the Homegrown Theatre Company, and and we we put on a production that eventually transferred to the Library Theatre, and we did several productions. And, the, and this was the, we used Use this as the as the title track, if you like, to our first production, and 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 Damon, badly drawn boy, who we, who we didn't really know at the time, came and and watched the production and gave us his blessing to use this song oh, when his wow. first album came out, and it, it it sort of and that production, it, it was a play called Hidden Markings and. Sort of everything that's happened to me work-wise over the last 25 years came out of that play, really, and out of that group. Of, and they're all my best friends still. And, and and so it's incredibly important to me professionally and emotionally. It's a really important song to me. And it's a brilliant tune as well. Well, Graham Hawley, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Here's Badly Drawn Boy. Cheers. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. And there you have it. Another Waffle the Bite Size podcast comes to an end. My thanks to Graham Hawley for being my guest this week. Uh, what a refreshing uh, change to talk to a, a, an actor who's right at the height of his career and, and doing all sorts of brilliant jobs from, from soap operas to stage work and, and just being an ambassador for the arts in the local area. It was uh, great to talk to you, Graham. Thanks for uh, spending the time uh, with us here on the show. Uh, next week, we'll have another great guest. Uh, but for the time being, it's my uh, job to say thank you to Melanie Kemp for her work editing Waffle the Bite Size podcast and of course our friends at Rossendale Radio 104.7 FM uh, for allowing us to broadcast every single week. We will be back with you next week with another great guest. Take care everybody.